You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is Jalen Johnson the best prospect out of these group of wings? Stay tuned to find out. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and just 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up from co-host Cody later in this episode. You are locked on the NBA draft. My name is Sam Ferris. I am one of your co-hosts. And as always, I am joined by my good friend and the other member of the Draft Dummies, it's co-host Cody. How's it going for you today, my friend? It's going well. Excited to talk ball today. In the first segment, we're going to cover Isaiah Jackson, the freshman out of the University of Kentucky. In the second segment, we're going to break down Jalen Johnson and why he's moved up a little bit for Sam. And then in the final segment, we're going to kind of talk about them both, talk about where we have them generally on our big board, and maybe who we like better, maybe rank them, even though they aren't you know, apples to apples. They're a little bit different positions. But uh, that is on the rocket docket for today. Let's get started. And before we do, Cody, I just looked it up. We've got 58 days left until the NBA draft, and we are going to be with you this whole time bringing coverage, everything from scouting reports to positional rankings. We've got some fun episode ideas that we're going to do in the coming weeks. But today we've got a couple more lottery-level prospects that uh, we need to break down that we haven't really dove into yet. And we're going to start with Isaiah Jackson. Cody, uh, what's the number one thing that sticks out to you digging into the film of Isaiah Jackson? So the sky view overarching thoughts with him is an athletic big. He is 6'10", about 206 pounds. I think he's going to fill out that frame some more. And he is springy. He is an absolute lob threat dunker. And he is a terror blocking shots on the defensive end. We'll get into that. But a 12.8 block percentage, according to Bartorvik. He is a lot of fun to watch. High energy. What do you like about him, Sam? Yeah, so the athleticism sticks out. There's no way around that. He is, at his size, he's a very elite athlete. Very quick twitch. And, Cody, something we don't normally get is some measurements and some athletic numbers on these guys. But luckily, Kentucky kind of does their own pro day. So I'm going to give you a couple numbers on Isaiah Jackson here. Um, In terms of how he, because, you know, I can give you guys the numbers, but to put it in context, I'll tell you kind of where this ranks on the Kentucky team. And to no real surprise, most of his athletic tools and measurements rank very, very well. So we'll start with the no-step vertical, 33 and a half inches. That is the number one on Kentucky's roster. And then let's move down. He actually was the best lane agility and the best three-quarter court sprint on the entire roster. So including guards, including wings, you can throw in whoever you want. He measured elite both in that quickness in terms of the lane agility and the three-quarter court sprint. So when you're looking at a guy with 6'10", and let me see, do they have his wingspan here as well? 
Uh, yeah, seven two and a half. Very good measurements. He's six ten and a half in shoes. Again, he could have potentially grown a bit since then, even, and the athletic measurements could have improved. But when you give me those measurements with the quick twitch, you know, quickness in that lane agility plus just the speed, that's a very unique combination. Yeah, absolutely, and he's great at using it. Not all guys are. There's definitely. Uh, some great coordination, catching the ball uh, and finishing around the rim. Uh, what most intrigues you with uh, his athleticism at the next level, the defensive side of the ball or offensive? Uh, I think it translates to both, actually. Um, so you talked about, I think you mentioned the block rate already. Both the block and steal rates, I think he was either first or second. I can't remember if his block rate was higher than Evan Mobley, but both very good. First or second among all freshman bigs this year. And the advanced numbers and the indicators compare really well looking back at past freshman bigs. Um, And then something I love when looking at shot blockers is on top of the athleticism, Cody, I love to see guys that get shots with both hands. Those are kind of the natural shot blockers. And Isaiah Jackson gets a lot of shots, both with his right hand and also with his left hand. Yeah, you know that I love teaching that when I coach basketball, uh, using both your left and your right hand, not just being right hand dominant and swinging across your body or across the offensive player's body, but getting both of those broomsticks up and uh, affecting shots, it makes you that much more versatile when you're protecting the rim, and he does a really good job at that. Yeah, so I'm going to pull up one clip, and Cody and I are going to watch this, where the quick jump ability really affects the game on the offensive side of the ball, because we talk about the defense, and we think about him as a more defensive prospect. This was one of my favorite plays that really stood out to me. It's against Auburn, and... What happens is a three-point shot comes up from uh, Davion Mintz from the perimeter. Isaiah Jackson goes basically right through an Auburn big, gets the rebound. He just JT Thor right out of the way. And not only the first jump, but the quickness of the second jump combined with the length is is pretty awesome. Uh, What stands out to you there, Cody, watching that play? Yeah, uh, like you said, it's the second jump. He can really load up and elevate for a rebound or whatever and hit the floor and just be back up in a snap of the fingers. Uh, Not every guy has that ability. He is exceptional at it. And that is the difference between getting those 50, 50 rebounds or those 50, 50 layups. If a guy can get up off the floor on that second jump that quickly, Uh, he's an animal. He gets his, his hands on balls all the time coming off the rim. So it's, that's definitely what stands out most in that clip and watching the film and all the games on him, it happens over and over again. Yeah. One last thing on that, that I thought was interesting and I'm kind of a nerd. So I like to see stuff like this Uh, in that same Auburn game, when they were about to throw the opening tip, uh, they put the opening tip record for the guys taking the jump. And it was Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky and then Jalen Williams versus Auburn. And it, it said that Isaiah Jackson's 8-1 and one in terms of winning jump balls to start games, which I thought is interesting. Just kind of a fun little stat that they showed and certainly indicative of his length and jumping ability. And, Cody, I think that 
Isaiah Jackson's a guy that had Kentucky had a better season, he might be getting a little bit more recognition. But uh, first of all, do you agree with that? And then let me give you a couple stats before I throw it over to you. We talk about which guys do drive winning and which guys don't. I don't like to really judge guys too much based on net rating and plus minus in college. It's a small sample. They're still young. But when you look at the numbers with him compared to the rest of the team last year, his net rating was plus 21. In other words, Kentucky was 21 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor than when he was off. And the next guy is high, guy after that was Davion Mintz at plus nine and then another massive drop off. On top of that, he had easily the highest offensive rating and easily the lowest defensive rating on the team. So, yeah, I'm careful with those stats, but when everything is kind of shouting the same thing, that Isaiah Jackson was kind of basically the one guy really driving winning for Kentucky this year, I don't think you can really just ignore those stats. Yeah, and those you know, are more apparent and, I guess, accentuated when you play for a really bad team. And yeah. Kentucky was not, not good this year, but... I mean, the eye test, the film just supports those numbers. When he's in, he's making things happen on both ends of the floor. The The whole energy and aura around the Kentucky Wildcats last year was different when Isaiah Jackson was on the floor. Yeah, so in terms of my final thoughts here, I think that Isaiah Jackson is one guy that I'm a little closer to actually where he is on mainstream boards and mainstream mock drafts. On ESPN, you'll see him around 11, uh, you know, kind of in that 11 to 15 range is where you'll usually see him. Some people in draft Twitter are a bit lower on him, uh, but I, I personally have him a bit higher. And we'll get into kind of exactly where he'll land for both of us in the final segment. But next, uh, after this break, we're going to talk about Jalen Johnson. Unless, Cody, did you have anything else on Jackson you wanted to get in? Uh, no, let's get into the break and we will revisit him on segment three. This week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Kawhi Leonard of the Los Angeles Clippers. We are bringing you a player of the week from the playoffs each week. And I went with Kawhi this week because he went full Terminator mode. Robot Kawhi. He needs antifreeze. He needs the fluids. And if he's good there, he just continues to dominate the playoffs. Uh, he had just a classic quiet performance. The other game against the Mavericks, that series is going to be one of the best series. Uh, it already is one of the best series this round. And the thing about Kawhi is he's so stoic. He doesn't have much facial expression while he's playing, but you know that he's out there. He's having fun. He enjoys it. He's happy. He's back in LA where he area he grew up. And uh, Michelob is a big fan of that, that joy creates success. And it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Why Leonard does. And Michelob has some of their own stats at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories per bottle. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Kawhi Leonard. Today on the Road to the Finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Again, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. And, you know, when we talk about the playoffs, a lot of times in the first round, 
It just isn't that competitive. But to no one's real surprise this year in the Western Conference, three of the series are knotted at two. And I think that we might end up seeing at least one, maybe two game sevens. A lot is going to be on the line. We'll see how the health of guys like Luka Doncic uh, and Chris Paul and Anthony Davis, how those guys look and if they can get their teams over the hump. All right, let's get into segment two here. We are going to talk about Duke freshman Jalen Johnson. Some sky sky high view stuff here quickly. He's 6'9", listed at 220 pounds. Uh, he has the NBA physical tools. He moves like a wing with that size and that strength. Uh, those are That's the first thing I would say that stands out with Jalen Johnson is the NBA prototypical body and physical tools. Yep, those stand out. Like you said, he is a big dude, pretty thick, pretty athletic. We'll get more into just how good that athleticism is because to me it is good, but there are some question marks. But the first thing I want to get into and I want to get your input on this, Cody, is I really do like him as a passer, especially at that size. And the one thing that does stick out to me that he does really well as a passer is the ability to um, find shooters on the perimeter. And to me, it's almost like a little mini LeBron at times where he's able to contort his body and get so much zip on the passes out to the perimeter. I've got a couple plays right here, Cody, two different plays that we're going to run through. And I want me, you to give me kind of uh, what stands out to you watching these. Yeah, so the first one... Uh Actually, kind of both of them. He leaves his feet with what seems like, you know, he has nowhere to go, which is always difficult. Don't like to coach uh, kids to do that. But mm -hmm. at six nine, when you have the height to see and you have the strength uh, and a little bit of the hang time to the athleticism, uh, what he does on both these clips is he he probably jumps when he shouldn't, but he ends up hanging, finding the open shooter on the weak side, and then has the strength to zip a pass on the money, you know, right in that shooter, shooter pocket. And like you said, I mean that a lot of these bigger, more athletic guys are able to do that. Um, when, you know, some of the smaller point guards in the NBA just can't quite do it like LeBron and Luca do because they have that size to see in the strength to really get it there. And Jalen Johnson, uh, I agree with you watching the film on him. He does flash, including those two clips Sam just showed me. He, he flashes the ability to get into the paint with that athleticism. And then he's able to, you know, the first step is being able to recognize where the defense breaks down. And then he has the physical tools to execute the pass. So that's good stuff from him. Yeah. Whether he is the guy initiating the action or if he's attacking closeouts, Guys that can help generate easy three-point looks are very, very valuable. Again, like I said, I'm certainly not comparing him to LeBron or Luka, but just the size with those physical tools to be able to contort your body when you're looking at one wing and then find a shooter on the other side, especially just in midair like that, is just a very important skill. And when we talk about passing, I think that the accuracy of passes in terms of finding guys shooting pockets and also the ability to get zip on those passes out to the perimeter because some smaller guys like a Steph or Trey just frankly don't have the physical strength to do that. 
just some of the benefits of both kind of the feel and the IQ plus the physical tools that he has. Um, but what what else jumped out watching the film on Jalen Johnson to you, Cody? Yeah, so the other thing when watching the Jalen Johnson film, uh, and this is, you know, oftentimes that Sam and I talk about with these wing players is are they going to be able to shoot? This year he slashed 52, 44, 63 percentages. The caveat with that 44% from three is on the year he was only 8 of 18. But what's interesting with him is per synergy, you know, not on a large volume, obviously here, this is very small sample size, but he was the 99th percentile in catch and shoot jumpers. And then he was the first percentile off dribble jumpers, which he didn't take a lot of either. But watching the film and the eye test, that actually uh, is pretty accurate where he's got a lot, a lot of improvement to do and just refining his skills. If he's going to want to be able to be a wing that can really put the ball on the deck and get to his spots and make pull-ups. But I actually buy uh, his three-point shooting at the next level. It's not going to be good right away, but I actually buy him becoming a pretty decent spot-up shooter. I like the jump shot. Uh, He has the height to get it off. And I think when he works on it with these professional shooting coaches, I think he has the base there to be an average or a little above average catch and shoot uh, three pointer guy. Yeah. And to your point, when he gets to it off the dribble at times, it's like he almost shoots it on the way down and it's a bit hitchy at the top. And so it comes out super flat. And I think, you know, to me, it's still the more important thing is just the jumper from three off the catch And to your point, if he hits that, that's going to unlock a lot. And he's definitely going to be at least a role player in the NBA, if not more than that. And then, you know, if he does get the jumper off the dribble, that's kind of icing on the cake. And then if he does that, we're looking at a potential all-star level player with the feel, with the physical tools. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too, on the jumper. The numbers, like you said, were way better than I anticipated. But it's just such a small sample. You don't put much into that. Uh, let's get back to the athleticism though, Cody, in terms of the package, because, you know, this is kind of obvious. Most guys are better athletes in a full court situation when they can build up some steam, when there's more space. He had to me probably the dunk of the year against Clemson. I don't know if you saw that one where he jumps the passing line. It was pretty awesome. And then he just absolutely puts it down on the kid's head on the other side. He had a basically identical one in EYBL as well, where he just absolutely just put one down on a kid's head. Super, super impressive. Got up. I took like a little screenshot of his head's basically at the rim. But not that he's a bad athlete in the half court, but he doesn't necessarily, when he's on the ball, he doesn't have too much bend or shake. He doesn't really get low. And something that I noticed that happens to him a lot is when he drives, he likes to go left like a lot of right-handed players but he doesn't often create much of a separation or much advantage. And because he doesn't get low and get to the rim, he ends up kind of taking this little fading float shot a lot. It, it reminds me a little of Ben Simmons, what you'll see from him where he doesn't really get all the way to the front of the rim and kind of takes this like floating bank shot. Uh, he did make it a few times, but it's just kind of an illustration to me that I, I just, I don't know exactly where I'd rank him exactly as an athlete. He certainly has the tools. He has the size. It can look really good. And when it looks good, it looks fantastic. But 
to me, he's not really like an AA plus. He's certainly not like a Jalen Green type athlete. No, not at all. And kind of the guy, well, we can get into this into the final segment, I would say. Okay. But um, I'll just say that he he is a great athlete for his size. But I just wonder if it if it's going to matter. There's other guys that are in 6'8", six, 6'9", six, range that on paper are like him where uh, they're great athletes. They have the physical tools. They flashed a little bit of skill, a little bit of playmaking, but they just don't really stick and they end up switching teams a, a lot in the NBA and, and not really ever, or, you know, carving out a significant career. So I have a little bit of worries with him on that. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? I have a couple more things. We can get to some of them in the final segment. One last thing here before we go into break. I think he's a pretty good cutter as well. That kind of shows up. I, I tend to not look at the numbers and the synergy before I watch the film. And so I watched the film and I noticed, you know, I wrote down in my notes that I like what I've seen from him as a cutter in a small sample. And the synergy numbers definitely back that up. That is kind of in line with the feel and the IQ that he has. He just seems to kind of roam to good spots pretty often. So I did like to see that. That's not something I've seen from too many prospects this year. Obviously, guys like Joel Ayayi that are fantastic at it. But young guys, especially guys that grew up having the ball in their hands a lot, don't tend to be very good cutters. So that was just kind of something fun on the side to see from Jalen Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. I had that in my notes, too. And like you said, synergy back that up he's 94th percentile on cuts but yeah some of those guys are opportunistic scorers uh they will take advantage of their man falling asleep turning his back uh just staring at the ball and he was great at kind of slipping behind when that happened slipping behind the guy and getting getting an easy dunk or a finish and you love to see that getting those easy buckets all right, when we come back, we're going to tell you where we have these guys on our board, and we're going to give some finishing thoughts on, on both Isaiah Jackson and um, Jalen Johnson. Built Bar is the, the best tasting protein bar ever. I'm not a big protein go- bar guy myself. I just generally don't really like the taste. But that's why I do like Built Bars is because they just taste so good. They have also a variety of flavors. Uh, If you really like one and you get sick of it, well, guess what? They have over nine. I think they have nine delicious flavors and they just came out with some new ones, including raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. A lot of good options to choose from. Also, on top of the taste, these Built Bars are made for guys that are health conscious guys. Like Cody and I, and I'm sure like most of our listeners. So because you're listening to our podcast, you, of course, get a great offer from the Draft Dummies. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports actions. Baseball is in 
full swing right now, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. They also got the NBA playoffs going on, the NHL, and even UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs in the playoffs. Head to the website right now, use promo code locked on, and you'll receive 50% off, or you'll receive up to a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so let's get into some of our final thoughts here. Cody, I had talked about being a little bit lower on Jalen Johnson in the past. Then when I had a chance to go back and kind of finish my film work on him, as you might have been able to tell by listening to kind of my remarks on him today, I have moved up on him. And it's kind of interesting because uh, I want to ask you, like, when you're scouting a guy, obviously we know a bit about him. We watch some college basketball. But when we do our deep dives, uh, how do you decide which games of a prospect you're going to watch? Um, I know some people want to see both the best and the worst, you know, some people value what do they look like at their best? You know, what do those flashes look like? Other people want to see, you know, when this guy is on his worst day and things just are not going his way, uh, how does he react to those? I personally usually just pick random games to watch before looking at the stats. And what happened to me here was the first pass through his film, I basically watched all of his worst games and then when I went back and watched some of the better games uh, against Pittsburgh and Coppin State, that obviously changed kind of my view of him. And it's interesting because I do think with Jalen Johnson, if you only if you were to only see, you know, his best two, three games versus only his worst two or three games, I think that difference might be one of the biggest differences and di- divergences in the class if you were just to see his best versus his worst Uh, So I just kind of loaded you up with two or three different questions there. But if you want to take me through kind of do you have any rhyme or reason to which games you do watch in any order when you're scouting and and what you thought of kind of the best versus the worst of what you saw from Jalen Johnson? Yeah. So the first thing I do is try and watch games live uh, as much as I can. Duke was not good this year. Kentucky wasn't either. They are still on prime time a, a couple times. So Try and watch games throughout the season. And then as I get more into my research, um, I try not to go look at the box scores. I try to pick random games like you do and uh, just watch them. And then, you know, if they were some pretty bad games and maybe that's a prospect everyone likes, then maybe I'll go look at the box scores, find a game where they had a good game uh, since, you know, the three or three to 10 or however many I watched, if they were all bad, then I'll try and uh, watch a good one and vice versa too. If I watch a prospect and uh, it just happens to be that I, they had a really good game and all of those, I'll try and go look at the box scores and see when they missed a bunch of shots and had a bunch of turnovers and whatnot and maybe watch that too. But overall uh, just try and watch as much as much as I can on these guys. And what was your second question again? Jalen Johnson. Yeah, the second, my second part was to me, I think if you were to only see his two or three best games versus if you were to only see 
kind of his worst four or five games. That divergence might be one of the biggest in the class. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. There's a big discrepancy, like a great chasm between his yeah. uh, his best games and his worst games. And that's part of what worries me about him. And this is kind of my overarching thoughts with Jalen Johnson. Take If you're an NBA front office and you're late lottery, middle first round, whatever, I think a guy with his physical makeup is always worth taking a chance on. You got to have the wings to win in the NBA. He is someone that is worth that first round pick in my eyes for sure. But I also get a lot of like Stanley Johnson vibes where it's all there on paper and it should be great, but he's not going to stick. And then I kind of like at his best, you know, is he going to be, like even Jabari Parker. Uh, I don't know. Um, I do think he has a little more feel with passing than those guys, but also at the same time, if you go back and watch the film on Stanley Johnson and Jabari Parker in college, you can find little bits where they're looking very, very high basketball IQ guys as well. And I mean, Jabari Parker scored 20 points per game over the course of an entire NBA season, but there's a reason that he's bounced around to so many teams and is, hasn't been a key cog in an actual winning team in his career. Yeah. So this is a perfect transition into what I wanted to get into next. And I think it's very important. It's always very important in analyzing prospects, understanding them and projecting them to the next level. And that is the importance of context and a player's background. So I'm not sure how much Cody knows, and I'm just going to kind of go through a quick summary of his context and background so that our listeners know. But he basically only played at a small school called Nicolette. I think it might have been in Wisconsin. He was going to transfer to IMG, a bigger academy, but there were some transfer issues, I believe, and then like a small nagging injury. And he ended up just going back to Nicolette, finishing his senior year there, kind of dropped down the recruiting rankings a bit uh, because of that. So, and then, you know, when you look at him at Duke, also didn't play for a very good school. So he hasn't really played in a very good situation uh, either in high school and in college. He's also had nagging injuries both of this, both as a senior in, co- in high school and at Duke. So, you know, that, that's a little bit of context and background to him, both on the situations that he's been in and then in terms of a bit of injuries that have kind of nagged at him. Now, my point is that context and background are very important to understand, and you have to bake that in at some point to your analysis and to your projection, but there is a point where context and background does just become an invalid excuse for poor play and for not great production. So like you said, sometimes to me, the motor doesn't really run very hot all the time. He he did float a bit in and out of games and there were games he just wasn't that effective. So, you know, it's just kind of up to us as evaluators with all these guys to find the line between how much of this context do we bake into our evaluation And where does that context and background just become a bit of an excuse that just frankly isn't valid? Yeah, the thing about the, uh, like, they haven't played in a good system or they haven't been playing basketball all that long as, like, 
a reason to take guys higher. I mean, I've never really bought into that because there's a lot of guys that it's like, oh yeah, they've only been playing since they're 16, but they end up being low basketball IQ anyways. Um, and with him, maybe just not playing at a place like IMG um, or like, you know, compared to some of the other bigger recruits and then the injuries still just watching the film. Uh, I guess those other background factors uh, sometimes are inconsequential where they don't really change my view based off, you know, what I actually see in his games at Duke. But yeah, I, you know, like I said, the physical tools are there and that for me and along with, you know, other NBA GMs, that's worth taking the chance on. And if he does mature uh, IQ wise basketball, uh, then he's, has a, you know, a shot to have an extremely high ceiling, uh, given that. So I think that's something that each, you know, individual has to kind of glean on their own and obviously talking to the prospects and getting to know them interviews would go a long ways for that. Yeah. It's just interesting to me because, you know, going through the film at times, the motor didn't run that hot at times the hustle wasn't always there and he, he did float in and out of games, but as I watched more and as I think I got a clearer, fuller picture, I went back and watched EYBL. I've watched some of his high school film, which is uh, not worth watching because it's a bunch of like 5'10 white kids that he's playing against. And so <laughs> it's like, has he just kind of developed bad habits because he's played only EYBL only against bad high school teams and then at a bad situation in Duke? Of course, you would wish for him to do better and for him to kind of rise above that. But we've seen guys like that with, you know, Ben Simmons, for example, where they they just do have the physical tools, they do have the skills, and they do have the feel, and that context was important to understand. But there's both sides to that, and that's kind of our job as evaluators. It sounds like I am a bit higher on him than you are. So let's transition now into where we have them on our boards. And to kind of lead us into this, Cody, I went – onto the Locked On Rockets podcast, and they wanted me to go over my board. So I had to kind of uh, put it a bit more into pen, uh, get a bit more concrete with it. And it's hard because for a lot of these guys, we keep saying we like them kind of end of the lottery. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a deep class. And also, I just wasn't sure who I wanted to have kind of in that 5 to 10 range. So uh, I do have it a bit more filled out now, but just kind of – an observation as I was forced to actually fill out my board through the lottery. Um, so which guy do you want to talk about first in terms of where you rank them? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. We could start with Isaiah Jackson. Did you want to go first or want me to jump into it? I'll go first quickly. And then I want to hear more from you. But when I filled out my full board, I had him at number 17 I did plan to have him a bit higher, but like I said, there's just a lot of guys to fit into that middle of the first round range. So that's where he ended up shaking out to me is at 17 on my board. Yeah, I have him generally 15 to 20. And I wish that the consensus wasn't so high on him. I wish he was flying more under the radar. Uh, I love guys that I think will play center like him at the next level that are that active and that you can get at a discount. But having him in the 
even like the middle lottery to late lottery. Uh, Sam and I just have talked about this a lot, listeners, where we just think you can get value, replacement value pretty easily elsewhere, like Rashawn Holmes. Another guy that comes to mind that is being effective, who I really liked, was Daniel Gafford. And now look at him, and he's he's a vertical spacer like Isaiah Jackson and just a great shot blocker. And he's someone that I liked, you know, as a freshman when he was at Arkansas, thought that he should have came out. He went back for his sophomore season, and then he still slipped a bunch. And uh, now he's really starting to develop a role. But the problem with Isaiah Jackson is uh, just where he's at consensus-wise. I just don't think it's worth spending draft capital i would rather take a chance on a wing there and then try and get a big like isaiah jackson or daniel gafford or rashawn holmes a little bit later that's why jackson for me even though i like him a little more than jalen johnson i think he'll have a better career um just the positional value and whatnot i have him 15 to 20 yep one final thought on isaiah jackson we talked about the kentucky bump last year whether or not you really believe or put too much into that. If I did have to pick one guy off of Kentucky this year to just look better at the next level and, you know, we see him at the NBA and we're like, oh, well, I didn't know he had that in his game. Uh, To me, I do think Isaiah Jackson will be that guy that he's just going to look better at the next level. Frankly, he should have played more this year. But yeah, I do really like him. It's just a rule for me that when I set guys up in tiers, like you talked about, I just tend to move the bigs more towards the bottom of those tiers. Um, okay, Cody, what about Jalen Johnson? Where do you think he's going to slot in for you? So for me, I would have him like 10 to 14 range. And I totally understand if people, after kind of the big four there, I totally understand if people would have Jalen Johnson like five to eight. Uh, I think taking a chance on, a again, a 6'9", 220-pound wing that could get a lot better, I think that's that's worth it. Uh, for me, just this individual, Jalen Johnson, I would take 10 to 14. I'd go elsewhere. Uh, I'd go with different guys from 5 to 9 or so. Yep, so when I filled out my board, again, he's been one of my bigger risers as I've caught, kind of gotten the fuller picture on him more complete understanding. Uh, I have him at number 10 right now. It's kind of a tier in the 8 to 10 range. But yeah, I do like him. The thing with me is that I like the high end. I like the potential. And when you look at his good, like his flashes, the flashes are really, really good. And the flashes not only are really good, but they could potentially be very valuable and very hard to find for NBA teams. So I think... Like you said, if we talk about kind of the like average 50th percentile outcome, there's a chance for sure. I think it might even be likely that Isaiah Jackson does end up the better player, like you said. But those higher end outcomes, Jalen Johnson is just way, way, way more valuable in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree and respect with uh, that thought process. Did you have anything else to add before we sign off here today? I have one other, it's kind of a superlative for Jalen Johnson I came up with because we were both higher on Jaden McDaniels last year. So I kind of named this my Jaden McDaniels award winner where he was a freshman that was highly touted coming in, didn't have the freshman year we expected, 
but it, at the same time, I think his struggles were maybe overstated or kind of overrated to a certain extent. So he's a guy where I think the freshman year, the struggles were both overrated and I'm banking on the physical tools. And I think I'm going to have him higher than some people, though I think people in general do have uh, do have him certainly higher than Jaden McDaniels last year. I like that superlative. I love Jaden McDaniels. And like you said, he is having or had a great rookie season. And so super, super stoked for him. Well, we thank everyone for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Draft Dummies. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen. And be sure to check out the other hosts on our show there doing a great job covering all the draft content you need as the draft approaches us. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, listeners, thanks. 